excited when that bass drops in. You know, it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness galore because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be completely free that's thanks to our sponsors this week casper and foot cardigan they made that possible bringing the show to you dlc of course the show all about games in their many forms games played on desktops laptops and consoles and also games that involve dice luck and cardboard i'm your host jeff canada that's spelled with two n's and one t and i'm joined as always by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis the guy who wants all his wars to be Star Wars, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, dear listeners. I want all of my wars to be a Star Wars story. Like, they can be whatever they are, but then I just want it to be like a Star Wars story. So at some point, you know, an X-Wing flies through and I call it a day. <laughs> that's, that's all it takes to make it a Star Wars story? Just fly an X-Wing on through? Yeah, no I mean, you pl- put an X-Wing in the middle of Hollywood, and it's a, it's a Star Wars story. I'm good to go. Why are we doing this episode uh, Sunday, Jeff? Uh, it's because I'm going to go see Star Wars when we normally uh, record our episodes. Oh, I'm sorry. Day. I started hating you more than usual. Could you repeat that one more time? Um, yeah. So if there's big news that breaks Monday morning, uh, we normally would cover it on the show. We're not going to be knowing what is happening on Monday because we're recording this Sunday evening. Uh, but the good news is our guest and I will be uh, talking about Star Wars on our other podcast, and you can listen to that. Hey, speaking of our guest, you know DLC? People always say, what, what does that DLC stand for? Well, it's your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. But this week we are excited because, once again, DLC stands for Devendra Lenses Commentary because we have senior editor at Engadget.com, my co-host from the Slash Film cast, friend of the show. It's been on. It's been too long since he's been back. Mr. Devendra Hardwar, welcome, sir. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was. It's been it's been way too long. I talk to Devendra every week on the Slash Filmcast, so it doesn't feel long to me. But it's been lo- too long uh-huh. since he's been here talking oh, about you games. Mean that excellent Batman spoiler yeah, we chat Batman. we had that you chose oh, not right. to do, Jeff. You're like, no thanks. I hate that guy. No, I'm pretty sure I wasn't invited to that. You were totally invited. I, I have the text. <laughs> Um, well, we got lots to talk about because, uh, it is, it is that time of year. We're getting up to our best of the year picks coming up in just a couple of weeks. We got all the big releases out. Devinger's been playing them. We've been playing them. So, uh, let's get right to it, guys. Let's start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter, that is DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5DLC.reddit.com. It's a place you can find like-minded individuals, talk about the show, talk about any stories that you might want to recommend, or any video game related stuff at all. Really cool community there, so you should check it out. Devendra, of course, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What do you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, can I add something that is not on our list here? Absolutely. Because I think my biggest story of the week um, was the release of the Oculus Touch Controllers. And I spent a while reviewing those last week. And, uh, you know, they were, uh, I think they're fantastic. They feel good. Uh, they add a lot to the Oculus system. And they're just great gaming controllers, too. 
Man after my own heart. Yeah. I mean, uh, I talked about the Oculus Touch controllers a little last week. I've definitely spent a lot more time on them this week. We're going to dive deep into them uh, in the in the VR segment later in the show to talk about our impressions of, of the games. But let's talk about them as you bring it up as a, you know, as a tech product, as a mm-hmm. game controller. Do you think that it was a mistake for them not releasing these originally with the uh, release of the Oculus? Is this too little too late or is it enough at the right time? I think, uh, you know, it does seem like a mistake just because the Vive came out soon after and it had motion controls. And I know Oculus has been testing these things for a while now. I remember playing with earlier versions a year ago. Um, But I assume there was like some sort of technical or consumer reason why they couldn't get them out. It does seem like a mistake, but at the same time, VR is so early that I I don't think it really has hurt them too much because there haven't been that many great games to really even... um, I don't know, push the whole VR platform this year. Uh, the games are getting better. And now that we're heading into 2017, now is the time when they need a fully complete system. So I think they got it just in time. But yeah, it could have been there sooner. Christian, you also got your hands uh, quite literally on the touch controllers this week. Um, what is your take on them as a as a gaming peripheral? Well, I think that's the problem is that they are a peripheral now. And I feel like it stinks that you can buy an oculus without them not that it stinks that there's a cheaper version of the oculus available but it's just like so now you need to have you know the climb controller or not like if you're making an oculus game do you make a touch Mm -hmm. uh touch game or uh, does it have to be both or uh that's the hardest part about it and i feel like the the beauty of vive is that it's those controllers and of course you can play a traditional style game with the touch controllers. You know, they have all of the buttons, clickable thumbsticks, two triggers, um, X, Y, A, B. There's, there are enough buttons to play Halo on it. You know what I'm talking Like the way that they show in the Nintendo Switch controllers, like the two Joy-Cons in each hand. So I, I, the, it, it just stinks that they're out this late and that it's a peripheral and I think Oculus will forever be burdened with it unless they do a, a Microsoft Xbox One like Connect. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, we don't have anyone here that works on that. What, what, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Connect never heard of them. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, there's no reason an Oculus owner would not want these things. And if you're going to buy an Oculus going forward, you're going to buy it. So I assume like <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going to get bundles, you know, like I don't think it's the bigger problem is that developers didn't have like didn't have these things for the past year to work on. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully that'll change going forward. But, you know, these things plus the Oculus uh, put some price parity with the Vive. And if it was more expensive, I think that would be a huge issue. But now that they're essentially the same price, it's a lot of money. I still won't recommend it to most people. Uh, But it's, you know, it does seem like this is where it's going to be going forward. I think every Rift owner would want to buy these. If you're spending $600 on a VR headset, you know, and you have a powerful gaming PC, $200 is nothing like in that context. <laughs> and, and as much as I have loved the Vive controllers, uh, these are, are really the, the state of the art. And oh, yeah. they are in a class all by themselves as far as immersion, as far as uh, – the number of kinds of inputs that they can they can facilitate, you know, the fact that it senses when I raise my thumb or my index finger, that is super cool. And I never, you know, half the time, I think I said this last week, half the time when I pick up my Vive controllers, they're in the wrong hands, you know, and then <laughs> my weird character has backward hands for a second and I have to switch hands. Never will happen because these are contoured to left and right. They're just really, really smart devices all the way through. 
So do you think they should discontinue the standard bundle, Jeff, and just have this? I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. I think mm-hmm. that th- I think this is the way you should buy Oculus going forward. So I, you know, there there are plenty of games that were out that support a controller. Um, and and, do th- and some of those games, as far as I know, do not support touch, even just standard controller touch. Like there's a controller talk language that isn't universal yet, at right. least in, in my testing. And I thought that was odd too. I was like, oh, I'll jump into the climb. And it was mm-hmm. like, hook up a controller. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, not the climb, yeah. sorry, edge of nowhere. Sorry, in my head, that's the climb because that's yeah. uncharted and I'm climbing. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's funny now. Now when I you know put on my Oculus headset, I'm standing up in the middle of my room with my touch controllers. It used to be that when I put on my Oculus headset, I was sitting at my PC with my you know Xbox controller in my hand. I I find it hard to even think about going back and playing those controller games because exactly, like when yeah. I when I decide to put it on, I'm doing I'm in a physically different position than I used to be. So, but they are exciting, and uh, like I said, we'll talk about them more in the in the VR segment, but it. It is a huge story, and I think that um, for me, the biggest takeaway from this is that Sony really needs to do something about those move controllers. Because going forward, I think we're going to see a lot of VR games that are going to be put out on every platform, and you are just really at a disadvantage with those move, move controllers because there's no way to have an analog stick, uh, you know, to, for movement. It's just missing a lot of the functionality that both Vive and Oculus have now. All right, Christian, how about you? What is your story of the week? I mean, it's got to be, well, it's not It's not a story that Jimmy Fallon is the best in the business about pretending to be surprised by something that was highly rehearsed down to the second. Um, <laughs> what? No way. No way. That thing that we rehearsed an hour ago is happening. And Reggie's like, I'm, I'm on the script. You knew I was going to say this. And he's like, I'm, I'm so surprised. What I'm talking about is the Nintendo big Tonight Show reveal. They played... Super Mario Run live, and then they did the first ever gameplay demo, live gameplay demo of the Nintendo Switch, where they played the new Zelda, and they had it on the big screen running on the console, and then Reggie took it out and handed Jimmy the the tablet uh, version, or, you know, unconnected it from the dock and handed him the Switch, and he, he played Zelda, and that was the first gameplay live reveal trailer. It was done on The Tonight Show. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I mean... If, if there's any question that gaming has arrived, like, could you imagine our parents' generation watching The Tonight Show and then bringing a video game on? That's, that's well, pretty my, cool. Stuart Nacht, Wombat from Cheap Best Gamer, tweeted, do you know how pissed you'd be if you, he lives in New York, if you stood in line for hours to get Tonight Show tickets, and then you get there and instead of seeing like Bruce Springsteen or someone, you see <laughs> an, two old men play a Mario video game? <laughs> Reggie, fill me! <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what do you think about this, Devendra? Uh, is this a cool way to show off the tech? I mean, is it is it push us forward or is it make us look even sillier when Jimmy <laughs> Fallon is going, oh, my God. We know, like, Jimmy has been a techie for a while, right? He's had gadget people on before, I think, former gadget editors as well. Yeah. Um, so it seems like a cool thing. His audience is young. They're with it. They're into the tech in the video game. So it makes a lot of sense. And it's probably the best platform for Nintendo to kind of show this off to the public as well, right? Yeah, and I think it's genuine. You know, I don't think he's yeah, I mean he's he's amping up his enthusiasm, but I, I think he legitimately 
plays games and is excited about a new Zelda. And, yeah. you know, he, he's, he was into it. I don't think it was all, you know, <laughs> I, mean, he, I, I mean, it sincerely, he's the best at like, yes, I, I meant it as a sincere compliment. Like he seems like I'm geeking out. I'm, and it seems genuine, but you know, it. I mean, it's genuine, but the way he says it is like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That's, that's like how, that's like how all of his skits work too. Like he starts laughing at himself. It's like, guys, this is funny. We know Jimmy. We know yeah. <laughs> we're just yeah, we're watching it with you. So the other takeaway is the numerous subreddits that popped up, uh, breaking down all of the information that we see happening in that very brief gameplay video. So it starts out on this screen projected behind the two of them, where, where which is supposed to be our big television screen at home with it docked, right? And then right before he pulls it out, that screen goes away. And then he yanks it out and instantly it's on the handheld. So people are theorizing that, wow, it switched instantly. We don't know if those were two separate inputs. It certainly looked like he was standing in the exact same spot as the end of that demo. But we don't know what that input really was looking at. I looked at that stuff and I don't think anyone talking about it. I'm pretty sure that Reggie, like, he, like, hit, he powers on the tablet. Like he, he pushes something after he takes it out. Hmm. I don't know. I think, there's, I think this, this mystery goes deeper. <laughs> Well, I don't, you know, those are the kinds of situations that even if it's all working and it is a really good thing, you don't risk anything going wrong. Well, they did once with the Wii and it was a disaster. <laughs> right. So, you you know, you learn from that, right? Yeah. So I, I don't even know if I would blame them for uh, ha- having some sort of, you know, uh, gimmick set up, having some mm-hmm. sort of, uh, you know, trick. But I thought it looked great on the little screen. I thought the the console itself, you know, we saw that slick composed uh trailer but this was like it you know just being shot by a cameraman i I thought it looked pretty great did he remove i didn't see him remove the controllers right no he never did he mentioned that you could yeah and and reggie's hand flew in i don't know like why he's like you can take these off already he's like yeah 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 (laughs) not with this one yeah right but the the coolest thing about this was miyamoto like everything miyamoto come on guys Right. Yeah. No, and he's wearing that uh, that Mario in a samurai outfit uh-huh. T-shirt, which is either like a cool troll T-shirt or it's a reveal of the new Mario, you guys. Samurai Mario. Mario meets Dark Souls. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You lose all your coins every time you die. So that's already how <laughs> <Yeah>. it works. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you have to go back to your corpse. It looks like a yes. dead Mario with coins all around. It's just him. like an empty suit. Yeah. Oh, you put on your Mario skin. <laughs> just a hat, just a dead hat, just laying there. Um, it looked good. The hype is real. March is just around the corner. I still can't believe that. I guess we're waiting, you know, another month before we find out uh, launch titles and oh, stuff yeah. like that. It still bothers me if Zelda is not a launch title and this is still the only game they're showing. Like that to me felt like the kick in the balls <laughs> on this. And I was like, wait, you're, you keep hyping this game and I don't get it until I don't know when. That's not fair. January twelfth. Yeah, that's Nintendo and Zelda in general, right? It seems like they always delay their releases. Uh, I am going to an event here in New York that you know, where they're showing that off. So on t- on that'll the be fun. That, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So I think we're going to get lots more information at that. I think we'll we'll know the launch lineup uh, at least, maybe not in full, but a better idea of the launch lineup, the price, the you know, hopefully battery life will be uh, will be revealed then. So. I think that's that's really the date, but it's not going to stop us from speculating more because my story of the week is going to stay on the Switch Switch train uh, because we got some reports from Eurogamer saying that GameCube games are coming to Virtual Console for the first time with the Switch launch. So, uh, first of all, the fact that we have the Switch 
as the main console for virtual, you know, as the main console for virtual console means that we'll be able to play all these awesome old games on the go, which is already exciting. But if you're talking about GameCube games on the go with this thing, I'm already kind of amped for this. Now they're saying that they have confirmation of uh, Luigi's Mansion, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Smash Brothers Melee, which so that is esports they revealed in there in the trailer. That's why you got to have. <laughs> yeah, and they're also testing Animal Crossing. Um, I mean, this is huge. The original Wii supported backwards compatibility if you had the disc. Uh, Wii U does not, so there was no way to play GameCube games on Wii U. Uh, some of my favorite games ever from Nintendo are the GameCube generation. So I'm hoping that this is a much more robust level of support uh, in Virtual Console. And I could totally see myself spending a little cash on games that I've already bought once in my life. Uh, if You know, talking about a little... Uh, a little uh, um, oh, What's his name? I just went out of my head. Um, the guy, the little guy. In Beautiful the Joe? Beautiful Joe! Beautiful <laughs> Joe. One of my favorite guy. games ever. Yeah, that one. I couldn't think <laughs> of him. Um, are you excited about this, Devendra? Uh, yeah, I loved my GameCube. Um, somebody in the chat mentioned Skies of Arcadia. Uh, there was a nice remake that was released in the GameCube, and I, I need that for my life. I need to play that. That was a great Dreamcast game. Yeah. Do you have any favorite Dreamcast games, Christian? I mean, uh, Mario, or Mario, <laughs> Metroid Prime. Metroid uh, Prime, I, uh, we already got those, right? Yeah, yeah I, guess I have those true. on Wii U. Those are pretty great. Um, yeah. I'd be all about the Rogue Squadron games until they mm-hmm. make a proper VR Rogue Squadron game. <laughs> those <laughs> um, are great. Yeah. Those are the first two are incredible. The third one had some issues, but still a great game. The GameCube library is is pretty dang good. I'll even mess with some uh, Mario Sunshine, which is one of the rumored ones to come out. Like mm-hmm. I, it gets frowned upon. I don't know. I liked it. It was hard. And I, hard, I really, yeah. really liked that, especially in college when I could sink my time into those um the bonus levels that would just oh, that was that was Dark Souls Mario right there. Those things <laughs> would kick your butt. Yeah. The very appropriately named old school gamer in our chat uh, said Eternal Darkness. Yeah, Eternal Darkness. That would be cool. Uh, I think people are just going to freak out if there's going to be a uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee because that game is still huge. Um, But really only the esports people, right? Because everybody else would be like, why? Why would I want to play an old Smash Brothers? I got them new Smash Brothers all ready to go. I'm so excited about the Switch. The more I see of it, the more I I get amped for it. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very are cool we stuff. gonna are we gonna camp out together? Are you gonna go with me? Yeah, let's do it. I think let's I don't know another way you're gonna get one. Well. The way they've been doing these releases, like I'm, <laughs> we could do a uh, an episode from the line. I'm serious. I, I mean, I'm I want one. And the, if Nintendo prior releases have taught me anything, like when there's hype behind it, Nintendo's like, let's make four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I don't know. Is there any other of these stories? There's not much story stuff that I want to talk about. Um. Mm-hmm. We could talk about PewDiePie, but I kind of don't want to. Are you, are you guys into that? Because I, he is super annoying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's his whole gimmick is to be annoying, right? Like that's. <laughs> but the like kids that. love it. Yeah, the kids. Well, do I, I want to mention. Uh, there's a thing, you know, Call of Duty sales going down. Uh, one thing or the other. Um, I don't say you need to buy it, red box it, or rent it. But I will reiterate the campaign of this year's Call of Duty is fantastic. Ooh, uh, okay. If you if you've overlooked it play it it's it's you know not super long but it is fantastic 2016 is one of the best years of first person shooters ever and i know it came out titanfall is amazing battlefield one's great um but if you can find it they're on sale i i picked up the uh edition with uh remastered uh for like 35 bucks hmm. so yeah. it's it's discounted 
play it. It's a really good campaign. I can't speak to the multiplayer, but yeah. uh, it's good. Well, I'm the weirdo who likes these things for the campaign, and it sounds too. like, yeah, there haven't been good Call of Duty campaigns for a while, so looking forward to this. I'm that same weirdo. Uh, yeah. And the, the story that, that Christian is referring to here is that uh, it looks like early indications from NPD say that Call of Duty is down 50% year to year. So last November's Call of Duty sales uh, this year's down 50%. So it looks like that Battlefield 1, Titanfall 2, Call of Duty, mm-hmm. Maelstrom hurt even the big dogs. So it was good for nobody, evidently. We don't know what the Battlefield sales were like, but it sounds like all of that didn't work out for anybody. Is that just yeah. physical copies, though, as I'm it seeing is. in the news? So. And digital may, could be different. Yeah, you're right. It may just be an indication that more people are moving to digital. So we'll we'll get more information later. But yeah. I think 50% is a huge number. I mean, clearly that's not 50% of the people not buying box copies anymore. I think that would be mm-hmm. surprising. But like, what is there? What's the advantage to getting a box copy anymore? You know, like these aren't the players who are going to be reselling them after a while. So kind of no, makes sense that I they think, move to digital, right? I think a lot of people that play Call of Duty are the kind of people that you know, that buy games from stores. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, tends to be, yeah. Know. And the main I, advantage to get a box copy right now is the Best Buy Gamer Club discount. <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> it's just so much cheaper. Or, or like Amazon, Amazon 20%. Right? Yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's move on. But first, I do want to thank our sponsor, Casper. If you're looking for a bed, if you want uh, to, you know, stay up late playing video games and your eyes get bleary, you don't want to go and pass out on a inferior mattress Casper's got your back. Casper is a, uh, a sleep brand that provides very high quality mattresses sold directly to you. They cut out the middleman so you don't have to go to a stupid warehouse and lie on a mattress for five minutes and try to decide whether you're going to spend thousands of dollars on a new mattress from a five minute lay down uh, and then you know pay this exorbitant overhead because they're paying for this warehouse. No, Casper will let you upgrade your sleep quality with very high quality materials, very high quality mattresses, but they cut out all of that warehouse stuff. They they sell it only over the internet and then they pass along those savings to you so you can spend hundreds of dollars less to get really high quality mattresses. They show up right to your door uh, in a bundle. You can unpack them. It's really simple. And then you also get 100 nights to try them out. You sleep on that mattress for up to 100 nights in a row and decide whether or not you want to keep it. If at any point during that time you don't, you let them know. They come to your house. They pick it up. They take it away. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Give your money back. It's great. And these are uh, these are great mattresses that are much more uh, inexpensive than you'll find anywhere else. Um, Did mattresses- you say lemon squeezy? Yeah, that's what it comes after easy peasy. Is it? Lemon squeezy. Confirmed. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right, that's just, uh, anyway, sorry, uh, <laughs> back to Casper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they uh, usually will cost up to $1,500, but Casper mattresses start for $500. Bucks. They, you know, you can get a, a King for only $950. This is very high-quality stuff for a very low price, uh, and uh, they are obsessively engineered. I know, Devendra, you're a fan of the Casper mattresses. I am. I've had one for a couple of years now. Yeah. So why don't you let us give you a discount? All you got to do is go to casper.com slash DLC. That's C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash DLC. And then use our promo code, which is DLC. When you check out, we'll get 50 bucks off. That's pretty great. All you got to do is uh, go to casper.com slash DLC. Use that promo code DLC. Save yourself 50 bucks. Do it. Try it for 100 nights and upgrade your sleep. We appreciate them sponsoring the show. Ooh, it's a 
right. Devinger's been playing that Final Fantasy 15. I've been playing that Final Fantasy 15. Let's jump into Final Fantasy 15, the boy band edition. <laughs> the boy band. The bro car trip. Yeah. It's uh yeah. It's a bachelor party. It really is, actually. I just did a bachelor party like last year, and it feels a lot like that. You are wearing your uh your black leather jacket. Yes, your, as uh, we do, fighting yeah. monsters in forests and whatnot. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I think that this game has really a, a brilliant, lovely premise. I, uh-huh. I think all of that stuff is actually so novel and interesting. And the fact that it has this awesome mashup of really present day with the fantasy elements, mm-hmm. you don't see that. And I've often wanted a role-playing game that was set in modern day. Like, I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah, yeah. And there's so much in this game that is super cool and clever – but there's also a lot that I just scratch my head and I, I don't understand. <laughs> you mean like the plot and the characters and yeah. Yeah, that and then yeah. some weird design elements too mm-hmm. where like why can't I just drive my car? Like every other open world game, right. you literally are able to drive your car not on rails except this one. <laughs> I mean, I, c- I could see why because then you don't have to like consider the all the collision issues of driving right. that car off road or something. So like yeah, that doesn't think bother ten me. Years of yeah. development, they could figure that out. I don't know. I don't know how many more years that would have cost. Uh, but yeah, the bigger like I love the gameplay. I love these characters and just like hanging out with them. And I love the flow of the gameplay too. Like where you're just going around doing quests and then you got to go back and rest and level up. And that loop is a lot of fun. Uh, but I I do have a hard time figuring out what I'm actually doing in this game or why I'm doing it. Uh, I've been rewatching or watching the Final Fantasy 15 Brotherhood anime series, and that apparently has a lot of backstory. Which uh, evidently all that all that ancillary stuff is required now. It it's pretty like, much is. Yeah. yeah. Like Brotherhood starts with. So I'm clueless. Yeah. I haven't seen Kingsglaive yet. I've heard if he thinks about that, but it also sounds like that's required. But Brotherhood starts with, uh, you know, a, a big scene that tells us a lot about Nox's character in the first, like, five seconds. And that's the sort of thing you think would be in the game, because the game just kind of just starts you with the bros. Yeah, it's an odd choice. It's like they mm-hmm. just assume, and which is diametrically opposed to the the statement that comes up the very first time you turn on the game and every subsequent time you turn right, on the game, right. which is this is for newcomers and fans alike. It's like, well, yeah. maybe the newcomers probably aren't devouring all of the weird side content that you've been putting out for months. <laughs> I should say, P.S., you know, watch all this stuff first. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I agree. I, I mean, I think that the uh, the combat system is really fun. Uh, some of the the camaraderie elements are really well implemented. I mean, I like like... I've never had a game convey what it's like to actually camp before. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you got and Coleman gear there in this game. That's surprising. Yeah. Uh and and there's so much there's so much cool going on and there's mm-hmm. just so much baffling <laughs> like the first woman I inter- you know yep. Me- yep. meet is is like literally offensive. The yeah. The weird forced uh cutscene every time I fill up the gas tank of my car that I don't want to have to sit through. Just like so, so many little dumb things. It's yeah. like, why? It costs ten gil to fill up your gas, so it's like it's not a, it's not like it's a requirement. It's just there to annoy you. That's <laughs> right. like that's the only reason it's there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the uh, so the the first female character you meet, uh, Cindy, which is the Sid of this game's, I think it's his what granddaughter or niece or something. Mm. Uh, she was in the demo too, and a lot of people complained about her design there. Because it's ridiculous, you know, like I, I, I can totally buy 
having like a weird freaky anime style. But really what they went for with her was a bikini girl in short shorts in really short, like, you know, vests too. Like yeah. it's uh it's gross. When you have her uh when you fill up the gas at that station, she does kind of the lean over thing. So you get the like weird leeriness yeah. at her. It's not great. It doesn't and show then, that Final Fantasy is growing up. And there's a scene very close to, to, to the beginning where it starts raining and it, everybody's talking about how cold it is. And uh-huh. she comes strolling out in the same stupid getup. And it's like, <laughs> okay, well, this is just stupid. This is dumb. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I you know, I... I like the quirkiness of it to a certain extent. Like there's, there's a whole sequence when you get to the first big city where all you're doing is going on like a, a strolling through the town date oh, yeah. with this girl. Yeah. Like all of that stuff is, you know, the, the weird emphasis on fishing and cooking that are, you know, <laughs> very Japanese and photography. Like one of your guys just is leveling up his photography by taking snapshots. I love there's, that too. Yeah. It's cool. Like there's, it's a fun, there's a fun level of hangy outiness that the game just nails, mm-hmm. but it's couched in all of this bizarre other functionality that makes the game so feel so tedious. And the, the quests are so uninteresting most of the time. It's, I'm I'm so torn on how I feel about the game. Right. Like I'm I'm kind of addicted to the quests. I've just loved going through them and just, I think because leveling up it feels great in this game, you know, like cuz you get ascension points and you can like start leveling up and getting those characters stronger and adding all these skills and everything. So I'm just kind of addicted to that loop, but I've been playing for I think 10 to 15 hours and I'm, I I just got to that big city. You know, mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time just doing a lot of the random stuff. Uh so yeah, I'm I like playing this game. I just don't, there's really no deeper meaning there for me other than liking these bros. Yeah. I, I, you know, I find myself playing it and I I don't dislike playing it, but, but I'll, you know, play for a while and I'll go get, you know, an apple for a guy. Yeah. Just start a car trip and just go take a snack. Yeah. And I'll go and hunt a thing and come back. And, and at a certain point I'll be like, am I actually having fun right now? Or am I just, (laughs) Spending time doing a thing. I don't. Right. Did you guys uh, hear about or read about like the the patch that's going to add story? Does yes. that seem odd to you? I mean, because it feels scary. like it's missing story, and they're like, "Oh, we're putting a patch out." And like, not it's not DLC. It's like a patch that has yeah. like voice work in it. Like that mm-hmm. seems insane. Yeah. Well, it sounds like neither of us have have even gotten to the the problem bits in in chapter thirteen that everyone talks about that is really what he, the designer was commenting on saying that they were going to add big story chunks, but it kind of makes me feel like, well, why do I, why should I play this now? If it's not done, you know, right. if it's, if they're going to finish it and add new stuff, maybe I should set this aside and come back to it when, when it comes out. But that's the question, right? Like, uh, is it, is it better that they do this and maybe f- if they have the time budget resources or extra files laying around and they're able to do this, should they do it or should they just leave it as is? Because that's how it was when they released it. Like this isn't an early access multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. Like this is narrative. It'd be like if uncharted four and it was like, Oh yeah. Uh, chapter 21 is missing, but don't worry. We'll get back to it. <laughs> like that seems bizarre. Yeah. But at the same point, this game seems bizarre enough that if any game can do it, it's this one. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, like I, I don't know how many people. I, I'm sure a lot of the Japanese players maybe got there early. I, did they have access to it earlier than we did? Um, yeah, I, I forget when the release was, but that's a really far into the game. So I don't know how many people probably got to that point. Uh, it makes me think of like the Mass Effect uh, new ending situation. Like that took a couple months, right, for them to release that thing. Yeah, it sounds like they're not going to 
be doing this anytime soon. You know, it's going to be well into 2017 before oh. this is released. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so play this game and then play it again. In I guess. Uh, a couple of other things I want to mention, though. It is gorgeous. It is probably the best looking RPG I've ever played. Like there are points when you're just driving around in your car and like a stunning Vista is in front of you. And I feel like when you see that, it's like, oh, this is why it took 10 years or however long to put this thing together um, because it looks incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it uh, for me, it doesn't reach the Witcher 3 heights, but yeah, it does look really nice. Just the idea that I'm driving around in a car in this fantasy world is such a wonderful difference you know uh-huh. just just it carves out its own unique fantasy which you know in a world of tolkien clones uh and you know generic sci-fi it seems like that's the only thing we get in a role-playing game it's either uh you know lord of the rings or it's you know sci-fi and to have this be so unique and interesting and different and really trying for something else which is this other kind of story you know this this road trip story and anybody that's been on a road trip it at does feel like that it's yeah, it's, yeah you know these guys are kind of wandering through the, the the countryside in their car and you know it does really smart things like i love the fact that you can get in i love how it divvies out ap which is one mm-hmm. of the currencies you use to upgrade your skill tree it'll give you ap for doing clever things like it'll start a fight and it'll say hey if you do this if you take down this enemy in a very specific skillful way will award you AP, which I think is such a brilliant way to actually uh, make experience thematic. Like you, you as a player are actually getting more experience because you're taking down enemies in new, interesting, uh, strategic ways. Mm-hmm. There are tons of those great ideas strewn throughout it. And it's peppered in with all these weird mundane things that I'm forced to do and yeah. clunky, uh, you know, clunky menus and clunky, interactions and really binary things that feel like a throwback to when this game first went into into development. It, it just feels like a mishmash of, of great ideas and lackluster ideas. And Mm -hmm. I I wish it it felt more coherent to me. I guess it feels more satisfying to me than final fantasy 13 did because that game from the beginning, like I didn't like any of the characters and it was so, (laughs) it was so just linear, right? You're just going from one map point to another. There was no exploration. There was very little wonder in that game. Right. And this one is all about wonder. So I'm, I'm a fan of that. I wish the voice acting was better though. Like it's 2016. We know how to do good voice acting guys. Just, just do better. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. I would have kicked myself if I didn't remember to bring that up. I I'm so frustrated by the voice acting because you have this wonderful dynamic between all these characters and Mm -hmm. there's actually really smartly written lines between them as well. You know, fun little wry exchanges, but the voice acting is so staid and I'm talking like this. It's like, what, what? Come on. Give it a little life and energy. A lot of people faking British accents too. Like (laughs) it's all and the main character Noctis, like he is, He's just like the most dour, unemotional guy, too. So it's like that guy, whoever's playing his voice, is just like extra, uh, extra monotonous, I guess. Yeah, he's so emo. He doesn't uh-huh. even want to drive his own car. You know? He's like, he's getting married to a princess from another country. He's like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. fine. My dad just, well, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is such an uneven game. I don't know if I'll finish it. Do you think you're going to finish it? Oh, yeah. It's just it's going to take me a while, right? It took me. Yeah. I'm still playing Witcher 3, actually. I've been playing that game for since it came out um, initially as a way to like test out my gaming PC. 
So I'll probably play this one for a while. And you know, we'll we'll see how far it goes. Like the 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 actual story quests are the last things I usually end up doing. Mm-hmm. Well, there's lots of other stuff. There's there's tons of side quests in this one. That's for sure. Yep. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I I I'm enjoying it. I'm just not hooked. Mm-hmm. And I have so many other games that do get their hooks in me, and I feel like it's just not going to keep pulling me back. But um, you've also been playing Dishonored too. I have, yes. Um, I love the first Dishonored. I don't know about you guys, but mm-hmm. when when Dishonored came out, it was coming out around the same time as uh, Bioshock Infinite, right? Right, and there was. Uh, I feel like it got a little overshadowed because of that game. And I'll be honest, that game didn't really uh, impress me too much. It had a good story, but it didn't really. Which game? Uh, Bioshock Infinite. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. That one didn't. Sorry if you can hear the police siren behind me. But yeah, Bioshock They're Infinite. coming for you. Yeah, <laughs> the Bioshock Police. Yeah. They heard. Um, you know, Bioshock Infinite, great story, but the gameplay felt like I was just running into rooms and killing everybody. And that over and over again. And the first Dishonored was such a great mix of like stealth and action gameplay. This one, I think, doubles down on all of that. The stealth elements in this game are so fantastic. If you guys played Thief or even like back in the day, I'm thinking of like... Uh, what else? Uh, maybe Metal Gear Solid and Tenchu back in the day, too. Like, yeah. there's some great stealth work in this. And I love that you can approach all of these uh, missions and things in many different ways. And there's just such freedom to this game. You know, it's it feels like it's designed to let you do kind of whatever you want. Uh, there's one stage here where I won't spoil too much, but there's one stage where you flip a button and, like, the entire stage just shifts. Like, um, yeah. rooms move. It's it's sort of like a, a dollhouse with moving rooms. It's insane. Um, and that sort of level design is something we don't see too often in games. So I'm, I'm just like a fan of this universe. I'm a fan of the look of the game, too. Just great, like, steampunk, but sort of like dystopian future as well. Uh, just a lot going on here. It just feels really good to play. Do you have any problem with uh, the load screens? Do you wish it was more open world feeling? Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily think it has to be that because if you want to set up a good stealth environment, it's really hard to make it truly open world. You know, like Mm -hmm. I think when Metal Gear Solid 5 did it, uh, that was mostly open, but it definitely like um, I think it loaded special scenarios for really stealthy sections. So maybe it would have been nice if if it was a little more open like that. But even in that game, you had to like, you know, load out, go back to the base, go back into the mission, go to different territories and stuff. So the loading doesn't bug me. I love kind of going through each of these stages and just finding all the little secrets, too. They make that really easy um, because they give you an item that shows you where all the major, you know, secret items are. uh, But you still have to figure out how to get them. And that's a big part of the gameplay, too. That's one of the things that bugged me about that game is mm-hmm. that it shows you where they all are. And it's almost this overload of information of like, it's just uh-huh. icons everywhere. And you're not clear if there's a clear path to get to it. And it's like two meters of, in front of me, but Oh wait, is it below me? I can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it's part very, of the fun, Jeff. Is Come that on. the fun? I, Oh, yeah. I, I thought that was the frustration. It's clearly. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could take it either way. Like you don't have to do those to actually finish the game. Um, but compared to some other games, like compared to like Assassin's Creed or something, you know, where you get a ton of icons and all this stuff to do in the map, it, it's definitely not near that level. You'll have maybe what, 10 to, you know, around a dozen like secret things in every stage and finding them and finding the little nooks and crannies of the stage and seeing all the like background details of them too. uh, That's a big part of the fun for me. I just love exploring these maps. And you talked on the slash filmcast about how much you were loving Watch Dogs too. You're still playing that? 
still playing that and kind of juggling all these once i got final fantasy 15 um and i'll i'll talk about a bit uh of last guardian 2 when you guys bring that up uh but there's just so many new games right now and i got a whole bunch of things to test and i got some stuff with the ps4 pro to test uh so yeah still playing Watch Dogs 2 it's a lot of fun that's that's all i gotta say i hated the first game and i love that they just like twisted uh, they, they kind of refined the mechanics and made it so much fun it's just a fun game to play it's a fun environment even if like it has a weird relationship between like violence and power and the like uh fun hackers like nature of the actual story yeah uh it's funny a lot of those games that I are just not clicking with me, uh, mm-hmm. all three of those actually that you brought. Right, up. At some point, we need to do a long Mass Effect chat. I just need to sit you guys down. Oh my god, I was totally just gonna like, bring that up with the yeah. uh, with the in the news segment. I was going to bring up your. <laughs> we, let's do that real quick. Tell okay. me about because uh, you and I had an exchange about after the um, Andromeda trailer mm-hmm. uh, hit uh, during. I guess it was the uh, Game Awards. Was, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And you are a Mass Effect fanatic. Oh yes. Okay. Probably my what favorite are, game of that generation of the last generation. Which one? Two or all of them? All of them. Okay. The entire series. It's all the same to me. Although I think two was the most polished of the of the bunch. So I look at the Mass Effect Andromeda <laughs> trailer, and it looks cool. I'm not saying it doesn't look cool. It, yeah. it looks very much more of the same, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity to go back to the drawing board a little more. I agree. And, I agree with that. Yeah. And maybe we don't know some of the tricks that are still up its sleeve, right? But tell me tell me what you saw in that trailer that's got you amped. It's definitely – it's a lot of what we've seen before in Mass Effect, like running around, fighting enemies. Although the combat looks far more fluid than it was before. And I think there's like a – there's a car or something like the Mako from the first game too back. Yeah. Uh, but the environments look bigger. You can like jump around and actually explore them. Um, it's giving me a real Final Fantasy 15 vibe, actually. So that's what I want in my games going forward. You know, I love these big environments to explore. And, uh, you know, just the idea of, like, going into these uncharted worlds and hopefully, like, you know, uh, I like exploring planets in video games. Uh, I liked uh, the bits of No Man's Sky I've played. I haven't, like, put as much time into that as I thought I would. Um, so that's that's just kind of a hook for me in general. But if they keep going with Bioware's, like, great narrative devices like they're really good at giving you choices in these stories or at least letting you feel like you're building a character that you can build like that you can make your own uh i care less about what that means for the ending uh but i like having the ability to like make big story choices and have that affect you know my team like in the original series like there are choices you could make where a character you love would just die like they will joss whedon the heck out of that character (laughs) because of a mistake you made and you know i kind of dig those things yeah. So, you know, that stuff with better graphics um, in a whole new like solar system and like hopefully it sounds like a new storyline, too, of like humanity trying to rebuild itself. That's kind of a nice conceit, too, because the first game was just us trying to figure out uh, our place in this like intergalactic pol- political network. I think uh, the new one is humanity has to find a new galaxy to live in. Yeah. And that's a little interesting, too. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the whole uh, the bigness of the universe, because um one of my gripes with Mass Effect as a series has always been like, you found a new planet, land <laughs> on the planet. Oh, you found a space station. Okay, off to the next planet. It's like, oh, well, that's the entire yeah. planet. Is that one space <laughs> station? It's like you found Earth and it's just a 7-Eleven. You know, oh, Jeff, <laughs> it's you found California. There's LA and San Francisco. It's accurate. Oh, <laughs> I see. That's how it works. I mean, there is that. And they, they definitely, the, the planet scanning in the later games became more of a chore than like actual planet exploration. 
But, uh, you know, landing on the moon in the first game, guys, and looking up and seeing, like, Earth in the background, that was a major woe moment for me last mm-hmm. gen. And I love that they kept building on that, too. Like, those characters were great. And the storyline was, like, pretty, you know, uh, typical sci-fi stuff. Like, oh, and um, old old alien race wants to destroy us all. That that old thing again. Uh, but I love the team. I love the, like, ability you had to kind of, like, wage war against them. I'm hoping for um, more robust loot. I like you know, I like my role playing games to give me some mm-hmm. sweet gear. I feel like uh, you know that that series went back and forth with how much it cared about giving you gear, and uh, I hope they kind of double down on like being able to trick out my team and make people look cool and get them give them right. cool stuff. I like that in my role playing games. Uh, you know, the story has always been compelling. I finished all three of the Mass Effect games and and found the story interesting and the characters interesting. And I like the combat system and stuff. I mean, I'm I'm into it. It just never was my favorite. That's all. Yeah, I like that they did weird things like Martin Sheen in Mass Effect 2. Like, what the heck was happening there? <laughs> yeah, it's just so weird. Yeah. Like, I that's a weird character that had all this information and control and like was always in front of the sun. Yeah, uh, I like the relationships between the characters, too. So I'm a big sucker for those things. Like, that's why I like Telltale games, because they're basically just stories where I get to make a couple choices and, uh, you know, hopefully get to like the characters. Christian, let's talk about Last Guardian. Uh, you've been playing it this week. Um, what you did? You fall in love with your Trico? I I have not finished the game. I'm maybe four hours in, so you know, over a third, less than halfway through. So I still not have listened. I have not listened to last week's discussion about it. Still, um, my broad strokes on it, though. Uh, my top five faves of the year is going to be. It's so hard this year, Jeff. This game is incredible. It is just in what I've played. And again, who knows? Maybe the the back half uh, totally changes and Sam Fisher comes in and I'm like, how am I playing Splinter Cell now? This is such a weird game. No wonder it took 10 years. Um, But I have fallen. Is it Trico? Trico? I've been saying Trico. Um, It's... (laughs) That's what he like screams out all the time. It's like he has a a syllable that I didn't know was there. Right. Yeah. Um, I love her. Mine's a, mine's a female. Maybe they address that later again. I don't know. Um, she's amazing. And I, I, so I understand that I, from what I've played, I think three frustrations of this game are the camera, the controls in terms of prioritizing animation over precision and accuracy or immediacy of response of your trico pretty much nailed it and and so i and i see them maybe becoming bigger as the game progresses or whatever but i also i'm i'm maybe giving this game a little bit more of a pass because <laughs> the prior two games are, are such high notes for me and i see the dna in this and i might be giving it a pass because the world is so beautiful and incredible and i love single player narrative based games and what i love about ico and shadow is that it, it is that type of thing but with so such little dialogue and it's storytelling through you know the stuff that you like jeff like the stuff that the designer put into the world the way the world is built out the mm-hmm. things you find the way you interact with um you know, creatures, animals that aren't speaking English, English um, beasts, and and the feeling you get about this world and the way it builds out. And I've owned pets my whole life. I currently have a 80-pound chocolate lab who is, you know, just the best thing in the world. And there are times where I'm watching my, my trico run around, and 
I don't think I'm frustrated that she's not responding to my control prompts because I'm watching her thinking I'm amazed that it's an AI. Like I forget that it's an AI. Just some of the idle animations or what it's doing as it's exploring or sniffing or coming over. I'm just enamored by this by this beast and it's going to break my heart when I eventually have to kill it and cook it and eat it to survive <laughs> or whatever whatever happens. Um but there there was a, a moment early in the game I won't even say what it is. Uh and it's not a gra- this game is not a graphical powerhouse, but it it's beautiful in all the right ways. I feel like the environments are well designed. The lighting seems interesting and fun, the way it bounces around the world, the way that you are kind of cell shaded in this otherwise um realistically detailed world. And there was just a moment early on in the game where I was exploring this environment and then my my trico came and, and joined me and the environment shifted just a little bit and I mean, I I, ha- I think it's it was happened in the first hour, which I have up on my Twitch and my YouTube, which is just seven one three at the end of my name. Where like I literally like squeed. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, and so stuff like that keeps happening, and I'm I'm taking my sweet time with it, and uh, it's great. It's great. It's great. I'm can't, I can't wait to talk to you about it when you finish. We definitely have to do a. I thought about trying to rush to do a spoilers, but I just I kept finding myself just like looking at a tree and watching my little guy like navigate, and I'm like, you're too big to fit in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things we talked about this a little last week with Phil. Is I don't know if the game is brilliant because he's unresponsive, or if the game is just badly made because he's unresponsive. Like you have that moment of wow, he's really behaving like a, a cat that won't pay attention to me. And it's like, well, is the game broken and that's why he's not doing it? Or is it just all part of the brilliant conceit that this is a, you know, a uh, an, a pet that won't listen to you? It's a wild it does, beast. Yeah. yeah, it makes it feel more natural to me because the bigger conceit is that you you meet this wild thing and all of a sudden you have complete control over it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's quite a it's quite a beautiful thing. It's I, I said last week, I'll say again, uh, I've never thought a game with broken controls and even worse camera should be played by everybody before, but now I do. You know, it's like, I, it, I've never loved a game that's broken like that as much as I love this one. And I understand the difficulties because I think what they were trying to do, it, it, and it's really dynamic and impressive when it works, is that you're this little thing next to this huge beast in confined spaces. And doing a camera in that world, like cameras in 3D worlds in general, is still difficult. Like a lot of games have a hard time with that when you're in indoor spaces. And here you're a lot of times in indoor caverns or ruins, and it has to keep track of this huge thing that at any minute is going to block the whole camera. But when it hits it right you suspect, this, you suspect that's why they almost didn't make this game right I, I i really do i think like that was an important design element like no the scale and the scope this is what we need to convey when they were just like how do we we can't do this <laughs> yeah and i so i get it and I, maybe i give it a pass for that they kind of proved they can't do it but <laughs> it still yeah. kind of works well enough you know it, well that's my i'm curious to see too uh um, if anyone on Insomniac is listening, I'd love to come see earlier than uh, later. <laughs> I'm curious to see how they handle that for Spider-Man because that's always been the mm-hmm. struggle for those games as well. As you get in an indoor space and Spider-Man is not Batman. Batman, you know, Batman just walks into a room slowly and beats people up. Spider-Man is constantly moving and zipping around and every Spider-Man game has had indoor camera problems. And what Insomniac showed of like their their tone trailer for Spider-Man on PS4 Spidey looks quick. Camera, camera tough, man. Camera tough. 
Yeah, I mean, I, the other thing that about Last Guardian is that, you know, nine years ago when that game was announced and we all went, oh my God, he's making Eco and Shadow Colossus <laughs> in the same game. That's exactly what it turned out to be. Like the thing that we all hoped it would be, it it actually is. Yeah, uh-huh. two two hours in, I went to the Gear.Sony store and bought the t-shirt. So I'll just put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, do you want to talk it about does... Laura Croft? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Fincher. Well, one thing I want to mention, it does seem like waiting a couple generations, actually, uh, of system hardware has probably like helped this thing, right? Like that scale yeah. you're talking about, they could have never done that before uh, on the PS3, I think. Yeah. Certainly not those feathers. Those feathers are not the feathers. And yeah, looking at the older trailers too, like the textures and like the environments just looked really, really simplistic and kind of ugly too. So uh, it's, it's also really weird to me that we're talking about both this game and final fantasy 15 (laughs) in the same week. Yeah. Just uh, what is, what is happening? And a new star Wars is in theaters. It's uh, a, what is happening? The whole world's gone topsy turvy. Yeah. And a former TV star is becoming our president. It's like this is the eighties again, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to talk about Laura Croft Go at all, Christian? I will mention that it is an excellent Vita port. The game is ancient by iOS standards, and that it's over a year old, I think. But these games, Hitman Go and, and Lara Croft Go, it, it they got announced at PlayStation Experience and dropped the same day, and was like seven bucks cross purchase, but not cross save between PS4 and Vita. I'm playing it on my Vita. It's brilliant. It's so good. It plays really well on the Vita. Uh, load times are like a half a hair longer than you'd want them to be. But it's a phenomenal game. And if you're looking for something, a reason to pick up your Vita again and haven't played it, I think it plays better on the Vita than it, than on iOS. And it's uh, it's beautiful. It's turn. It's it's. I'm, you would love it, Jeff. I think you should play the way you should play it. Is Hitman Go is in VR, and I think that will blow your mind if you haven't played these games. They're kind of like a board game puzzle game. Um, but playing within the universe's rules of like the Hitman one is, you know, very Hitman-esque. And this is very, you're exploring tombs and, and taking out snakes and stuff like that. They're really, really cool. Well, speaking of VR, I definitely want to get uh, to the VR segment because uh, I'm so excited to talk to you guys about uh, all the VR stuff that we've been doing this week. But I do want to thank our second sponsor, which is Foot Cardigan. I'm so excited to tell you guys about Foot Cardigan, especially this time of year. It's cold outside. Uh, you're probably going to holiday parties or you're going to your families. It's awesome to have something like foot cardigan, both as a gift to give to people and as a gift for yourself to look cool at those parties. Foot cardigan is a fun sock surprise (laughs) every month, right in your mailbox. You get the joy of the unexpected, a little gift to yourself or to someone else. You can give that joy uh, and also you get to upgrade your wardrobe or the wardrobe of your loved one by giving them socks. So few people put in the time and energy to get cool looking socks, but cool looking socks make such a huge difference in your wardrobe. People notice it, gives you that extra little zing of fun. And foot cardigan is uh, is always the cool, interesting, varied socks. They're really comfortable. They're made with uh, high quality uh, uh, I wanted to say components, but they're not a piece of technology. High quality uh, materials is the word I'm looking for. Uh, it starts at just nine bucks a month. Fantastic holiday uh, gift or any any gift. Uh, and uh, this is uh, convenient. They come right to your door. They're a surprise. You don't know what they're going to look like when they open up. They're always super cool. And you can go to footcardigan.com right now and get 10% off your purchase if you use our coupon code, which is DLC10. That's DLC10. 
Go to footcardigan, F-O-O-T-C-A-R-D-I-G-A-N.com. Use that promo code DLC10. Hook yourself up with some socks or give them as a gift. If there's somebody on your list that you can't figure out what to get, works for guys, works for gals, old and young. Everybody wears socks and everybody looks cooler in foot cardigans. Footcardigan.com, that promo code DLC10. All right, guys. Uh, I'm so excited to talk VR. Where do we start? Let's start with some. Um, let's start with some Oculus stuff. What Can we start with Star Wars because it's Rogue One week. Huh. Okay, you twisted my arm. <laughs> Come Star on. Wars I mean, how could you? That's it's out now for this purpose. We're all huge Star Wars fans. How, yeah, how you're right. You, it's it's glorious. We're it's doing what the VR show was made that you for. can go see Star Wars tomorrow. You're like, right. And and honestly, if there's any other reason to make VR, I don't know what it is. Like, put <laughs> me in an X-wing and put me in space. That's what VR tech was originally made for. So, <laughs> uh, have you played it, Devendra? I have not. Uh, my VR stuff has been. Uh, we need to shoot them all for end of the year stuff. So, okay. it's like in the office. But uh, I'm looking forward to testing this, Christian. How? Yeah, we need to sync you love our Star Wars VR. How much do you love St- Star Wars VR? Oh, I love it. I wish Jeff and I know it's hard with how we get things sometimes, but I, I wish we could sync our. I-, I I wish we could sync our playing our play times because like I I remember when I called Last Guardian and then you played it before Final Fantasy fifteen anyway, and then we couldn't talk about it at the same time, and then you played Star Wars and I haven't played it, and then now I've played it. Yeah. It's so good, Jeff. I just wanted to say that with you at the same time that you said it. Okay, on three. One, two. It's so, it's so good. good. It's so good. <laughs> like that's e Valkyrie, that's satisfying. Uh, they've all tried to do it, and E Valkyrie's great. The Call of Duty VR mission's great. But every time I'm like, just put a, put John Williams in this, <laughs> and it's infinitely better. And they did. Yeah. They did. That first moment where you turn your head all the way around and you see an R2 unit behind you. There's nothing better than that. There's there's nothing better. Th- I have a child now, and I'm still telling you there's nothing better than that. <laughs> this the, is the, the danger of VR, by the way. Making us prefer virtual reality to actual reality. <laughs> yeah. Well, when actual reality is so awful, it's easy. But um, it's yeah, short. Man. It's a short mission, maybe 20 minutes. It's one thing, and it's the way they all are. Every pilot space demo is like this. Like, let's take the thing out. Everything looks fine. Let's go do this test run. Rut row. <laughs> Here come yeah. the bad guys. Let's take them out. Um, but it sounds good. It looks good. I guess Criterion worked on on this uh, using with like dice assets and stuff like that. It plays so well. And I'm just screaming the whole time I'm playing it like New Rogue Squadron. I, I want the trench run. <laughs> I want Beggar's Canyon. Uh, I want uh, speed race, uh, speed racing, pod racing. <laughs> pod yeah. racing. Uh, I want a speed bike and indoor. Oh, um, give me speeder bikes and indoor, please. Right? Please give me speeder bikes and indoor. I want Come a Millennium on. Falcon flying through an asteroid field. Like, you name it, I want it. And it, the thing that stinks is Polygon had an article, um, I think it was this week, about, like, there's no money in VR. Like, just, you know, the units aren't there unless you're getting significant dev help or um, uh, manufacturer help to make a game. Like, you're not going to make any money. Well, that's the just a response to people getting pissed about right. exclusives. Yeah. Right. And, um... I just feel like so I don't know who pays for Rogue Squadron VR or maybe the way it works. Sony like, does. <laughs> well, or it's or it's Thumper, right? Like you can play it without because it's still a Rogue Squadron, first person yeah. Rogue Squadron. But um, my God, it's so well done. 
<sighs> that first moment when you load it up and the ATAT comes walking by. Yeah. That enough. That's like okay. Well, now I need snow speeders and and that Hoth mission, and I need like right. I need it all. Mm-hmm. It all. And then I mean, it's a short. It's not a narrative base, but maybe a spoiler if you don't want to know anything else about it. Stop listening. Um, where were you when the Star Destroyer came in? What do you mean? Where was I? Like in for me, yeah, for me, it came in. Uh, I don't know, like how to do a three sixty degree clock, but like three o'clock like upper right hand corner so i saw it out of the corner of the top right of my cockpit and i was like that's exactly where it's supposed to come in <laughs> yeah yeah that's what happened to me too it was like above me yeah uh, yeah, yeah. That's what it's supposed to do it's supposed to feel terrifying and it did and yeah that's what vr yeah it's glorious so with we can every talk, penny we can talk about touch now because we have all played that but <laughs> If you have access to Battlefront on PlayStation, and again, maybe Redbox rent it because it's a free download if you have the thing. Um, I think it's only twenty bucks if you don't, though. You can download it separately. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I don't know about that. I've I've been a fan of Battlefront since it came out. It's a, Battlefront it's a dumb... also got really cheap too. So right. Yeah. yeah. And it's well, an EA access for Xbox One, but that doesn't help you. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you this: if if you if you you know bought PlayStation VR. And you have anyone in your life that even remotely likes Star Wars for any reason, this is the first thing that you demo your PlayStation VR with. You go, put this on. I'm not even going to tell you anything. Just do this. And they will think you're a god. They will it's, – it's, it's not like anything else. It's not like anything else. And I did not get sick. I've talked about like I thought I was uh... – iron stomach based on like demos and limited gameplay then i got my own headsets and i was like i'm i'm so weak um i felt great i played the whole thing it's short but the whole thing in one sitting it's so good all right davinger so you uh like the rest of us have been playing a lot of uh, touch control mm-hmm. games uh what are your some of your highlights from the touch launch because i think the oculus touch launch is objectively one of the strongest launches of any yep. piece of hardware ever yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with the PlayStation VR launch lineup, too. Like, there was some really good stuff there. Uh, but this is basically, we're seeing the second wave of VR games coming in. And I spent a lot of time with I Expect You to Die, which is the sort of, like, spy simulation one where you're a spy and, like, you're in a room and you gotta, like, figure things out. Um, the first mission, for example, is uh, you're in a car. It's a, it's a, it's like a car owned by the supervillain. You have to, like, get it out of a plane. Uh, but you also have to disable all the security systems. So you're just like fiddling around with the uh, the VR sticks for that. Yeah, it's pretty good. It really shows like how the uh, touch controllers can handle fine movement, because sometimes you're going to be handling like beakers filled with liquid. And if you drop it or something goes wrong, uh, you explode. So things like that. Uh, it's very like methodical, but I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm also a fan of like, you know, crazy spy gadgets, too. Yeah, it's cool. It's very James Bondy. It's mm-hmm. almost like doing a James Bond escape room. Uh, it is yeah. in VR, and uh, again, it's called "I Expect You to Die," and you do you d- you learn by dying <laughs> in this game. It's a way to do it. Yeah, it seems like it's tough because it seems like a James Bond game exists, but they just haven't put it all together, right? Like it's the crew, or not the crew, um, the getaway, and PlayStation World right. is like part of it. Uh, and then, and then you have this for when you get caught and then you have a driving yeah. game and then it's like, they're all there. Just make the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we need a good like stealth game too, right? So stealth shooter, Hitman in VR, like a full on Hitman in VR. Oh man. Would be incredible. 
Yeah. Also, Hitman Go in VR is pretty good. <laughs> I know it's, it's not Hitman. It's not Hitman. Yeah. It's, good. it's it's fun. Yeah. I think well, it. budget cuts on Vive is like proof of concept for the the stealth mm-hmm. VR game, which is ugh, it's so. I want you like someone walks by you, you like this. You, you like in real life, you have all this clunky stuff on, like a cable headset, like all the stuff, and then someone walks by and you're like on your tiptoes, like sneaking around. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else? What else from the the Oculus launch that you like? Also, Serious Sam VR. I remember Serious Sam. It Serious was a Sam. stupid game. It was so <laughs> dumb back in the day, uh, but it actually works really well for VR. Um, just because like it, it's the same dumb concept. Like they, they, I love that Serious Sam just like took the Duke Nukem concept and like you know upped it to insanity, and that's back in this game. Uh, but it's a lot of fun and this is a fast paced VR game. So it really shows that the touch controllers can do fast paced shooting and targeting and stuff like that really well. It's also exhausting. Have you guys played this thing? I have. Yeah. I mean, it's a wave shooter, right? Yeah. And the waves come at you fast and furious fast. and there's all and all around you. And it's, it, you know, things are shooting at you. Uh, I got obliterated in like the <laughs> second or third mission pretty fast. And I was like, oh man, I'm sweaty. Yeah. Yeah, you get a you'll work up a sweat and also your fingers will ache. So yeah. it it may also show like the limits of like how much we can bring Twitch gaming into VR just because you're going to be standing up. You're going to have to be moving around and uh yeah, I I assume if you do it enough or if you work out like it, that's less of a problem, but I think for the so, typical uh, the gamer, Victor, why are you here at the gym, buddy? What are you looking to do? It's, uh, 100 push-ups, uh get buff, look good for summer. What you here for? <laughs> Seriously, in VR, sir. Yeah. Uh, and there's the like a room for that gym. there's a room for that it's just like oh, yeah. fast fast weights that's all <laughs> your fingers yeah little five pounders your in your hands yeah <laughs> uh but yeah that's uh i've noticed that with a couple other games too where you may you may just start to feel it that you're move doing a lot of movement yeah. uh with this headset on uh but this game especially like i worked up a sweat uh my arms started to ache a little too because i like was getting into it because the the way you beat these levels is like you really gotta you can't just like make small movements with your arms to shoot you really have to like lean and crouch and like do stuff to like avoid bullets and also like get your hits in so that was a lot of fun just exhausting that actually is a great transition to the exhausting game that i fell in love with which defies all logic this is the game that i probably would have completely ignored because i just would have thought it was dumb vr sports challenge which (laughs) Oh, yeah. Play football, basketball, <laughs> and hockey, and, and a little bit of baseball in VR, mini games. Okay, this is a cash grab. This is a stupid thing. This is going to, it's going to feel dumb. It's going to be, you know, really slight and silly, and I'll feel like a goof, like doing fake, you know, basketball shots in my living room. This is my, might be my favorite Oculus Touch launch title. It is huh. so good you guys it is amazing so let me tell you a little bit about how this works so let's start with football football well you start by having your team lose the nba finals and have a bad nfl year so virtual sports sounds like a good idea i mean that's the starting point for this right niners lost in overtime today so don't get me started um, <laughs> not in your head they didn't yeah right so you are in the, you know, you're in the helmet of a uh, of a football player looking through the the face mask, uh, and you are the quarterback. You're standing behind the line of scrimmage, and you literally extend your hands out and push the triggers to hike the ball, and feels just like a quarterback would. The ball comes to your hands. You have to press the trigger to catch it. 
Now you've got the ball in one of your hands. You can tell the game whether you're left-handed or right-handed. And you start looking downfield at your receivers as they're running their routes. And you're you're scanning the field just like a quarterback. I've never felt like a quarterback in an actual football game before. I know that Madden tried a weird first-person view thing a few iterations ago, and they tried to kind of create this element. But the fact that I don't have to push sticks to change my view, I'm literally just looking with my head left and right, scanning, looking, feeling the pressure. The guys are bearing down on me. If if a, if a, um, a defensive lineman comes at me to try to sack me, I literally dodge with my head to try to dodge out of the way of him. And then I throw with my arm. I have to aim at the right receiver. He's open or he's not open. Then the brilliance of this game is it switches instantly as the ball is in the air to the receiver's point of view. I have to extend my hands out into the air and catch the ball. And then I can turn up field and continue going. It's glorious. It feels like playing football, dude. It is amazing. It has unlocks that you, you know, it gives you challenges to do certain things and score. It cuts out all the frivolous stuff, but it like adds more game in as you unlock more things. Okay. So now I want to tell you about basketball. So basketball, you are, uh, you, you, you know, it starts out, you only play offense and you have to unlock defense, but you get a basketball in your hand and you're looking, you're one of the players, the five players on the court, on your end of the court, looking at the basket. You're being defended by a guy who, because it's VR, is human size and looking right at you. You can dribble the ball back and forth between your hands or dribble it single hand or whatever you want, just the way you would. You move your hand up and down. Because there's um, a little vibration, it feels like the ball is going in and out of your hand. Your guys are kind of moving around toward the hoop or whatever. You can pass it to them by throwing it or bounce passing it just like you would with your hands. Then it cuts to their perspective and they, you have to catch it as them. And then you can shoot and or you can head fake and you can try to shoot it as the ball is in the air. You use your own head to try to like nudge it left and right. You can kind of alter its path. Like you would give it a little English in real life, hoping that your, your head movement can like, you know, affect the ball, even though it can't here, it can, but that's not even the best part, dude. Very quickly, you open up the ability to alley-oop. So you'll have one of your guys cut to, to the hoop and leap up like he's going to, you know, leap up to the to do a, a, a slam. But you have the ball. You pass it to him. It cuts to his perspective and he's gliding through the air in slow motion, which is you now. You're, you are gliding through the air in slow motion. The ball is coming at you. You reach out with your hand. You catch the ball. You turn to the hoop and you dunk. Dude! It is wish fulfillment <laughs> of a glorious – it's like it feels like it must feel to be LeBron James. It's amazing. It's amazing. I just love headshot poison 16 in the chat. Jeff, quote, not a sports guy, Perrin, puts on VR helmet. Guys, this is so fun. It's like you're playing real sports and it only costs $1,000 to play. <laughs> I, I, I am a sports guy. I used to play lots of pickup basketball, right? It's Come on. It's a funny comment. It's a funny comment. But no, I, I, I'm, I'm saying that I – this feels like playing pickup basketball. It's I'm I smacked my hand on my <laughs> ceiling lamp, like the light, the lamp that's attached to my ceiling because I leapt up in the air to do a jumper. It, no, no lamp can guard you down in the paint. No, dude, I will smash lamps. <laughs> uh, this dude, it has hockey. It has it has a home run derby. I, it, this game should not be as fun as it is. It is 
ridiculously fun. Anyway, I will stop talking now. Christian, what games have you been playing on Oculus Touch? So I don't want to get too into it, but there's this sports game. And uh, um, what I... Uh, what I have, I've been playing some games, but what I want to ask you, Jeff and Devendra, because you guys seem really into this, have you tried playing um, like raw data on touch? Because I've heard, I have not tried it yet, but I've heard that everything works. I have not tried that. Yes, yeah, Steam has been updated to completely support the touch controllers, so mm-hmm. you can even toggle how the virtual controllers look inside your headset. So, you know, previously, if you tried to play. Uh, you know, if anything on Steam, it would only show up as Vive controllers, even if those weren't Vive controllers. Now they actually can look like Oculus Touch controllers. So, but I mean, I'm you're telling me I can just go play Raw Data right now? Yes. Show over. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I have not because I also have a Vive, so I haven't tried playing any you know Vive games on 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 the Oculus. But supposedly I will it report works back. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So what I have played, you talked about it last week, the Bullet Train demo. Which is the the next step in the demo of Unre- of Epic making their VR game? It will eventually be what's the robot name? Robot Fury. Uh, robot Recall. Robo robot Recall. Recall. Right. And um, like you said last week, that Bullet Train demo is phenomenal. You're teleporting around, and they give it like I, I like the winkiness they give it as the story explanation. Like agent, and we've upgraded your tech <laughs> <laughs> with this cool move called teleportation. And you're like, okay, I get it. Who cares? Um, everything's kind of going in slow motion. You can catch bullets out of the air and throw them back at people. You're you know picking up shotguns, uh, automatic rifles, pistols, and just going to town in this subway station um it's awesome really really cool and then super hot vr which i'm i'm torn on it's good it's a lot of fun i I think it's good mostly because i blocked a bullet with a knife yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah that's a great (laughs) sentence it is no it is you did it you did it easily like for like yeah you didn't push a button to do you didn't push x to block bullet with knife no, I, I, my hand, I'm skilled enough that when a bullet is traveling at one tenth of a second <laughs> at me, I can block it. And so I, I don't know, I don't know the development history behind this. I think regular super hot is better, but this mm-hmm. is incredible. Does that make sense? I don't sure. understand how you could think that. <laughs> the, the puzzles are better in regular super hot. So I asked you last week, like, can you move? And I have not finished super hot VR. I think I'm very close though. Um, you don't move like you you can like you know you shimmy to move time but you're not walking right and for whatever reason and and because this is an oculus funded oculus touch game and room true room scale which i couldn't i guess it's a small space i'm in guys Mm -hmm. um true room scale doesn't isn't officially supported yet so any moving moving you're doing is kind of just like shimmying sidestepping ducking like i told you jeff i think because of that like i'll see a guy with a gun that I could walk to and take the gun, but the game's like, no, you can't walk. <laughs> like, well, wait, he'll come to you, right? He'll come to me, but I'm like, but I could. He's like, literally, just let me get him. And that's when I punched my wall, and the game was also like, hey, idiot, don't go there. And so it's like that that disconnect. And regular super hot, I think the puzzles are just a little more intricate because it puts in locomotion into it. But that said. I blocked a bullet with a knife yeah. and then caught a gun out of the air and spun to my right and blew a crystal red guy's head off. Like, there you go. I did it standing That's there awesome. doing it. You can it's also like uh, throw a weapon because like you move between different stages uh, of those things you're in of the missions and you can like throw a weapon in that general direction and catch it yeah. when you load up. Like it's insane. It's pretty I have great. not done that. All right. But episode's still over. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> so cool. It's still over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still playing. I'm still playing raw data. Um, it's it's cool. It's really fascinating. Uh, and but what I told you, Jeff, offline is I think to to me, and again, this is like uh, life's so good it sucks. Um, it's like this weird disconnect in my brain where even when you first load up the touch controllers, it like it's like touch experience or whatever that first robot greeter that kind of walks you through things, and it it gets it's even more real now, <laughs> right? Where like you're one to one, and you now you really want to rest your hand on the shelf. But you can't because there's no shelf. But your brain's like, You're there's always definitely out the the yeah tiny little. No, no, no. It's that's what I'm saying. It's so good. It sucks. It's like uh. I, so for me. What's helped? What's helped me, Jeff? And this might help listeners. What's helped me is that I am no longer. I'm not in a virtual world. I am in the most highly detailed holographic world, and that helps me mentally be like, it's not real. Don't touch it. <laughs> because <laughs> otherwise, I'm like, I don't want to touch this, and I want to touch this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm like, you can't. It's not there. I don't Here's care what your brain says. It's not there. I, I so people, you know, have varying opinions about how much time I devote to this in the show to VR. But I think, and feel free to disagree with me, Christian. But I think, guys, that this is the most exciting place that video games are in right now. It is. It, it those feelings, those things, those experiences. Like I, you know, I love playing lots of games there are you know last guardian is an amazing thing and final fantasy 15 is fun and there there are great games that are coming up you know titanfall 2 is incredible all these games are great but they're not completely new experiences like i'm getting game after game after game Mm -hmm. yeah i mean uh, on an experiential level that's true i haven't had a completely fulfilling vr narrative experience yet as I have with, uh, you know, games and movies and novels. Um, so that's what I'm really playing it for. VR right now feels like the internet in the mid-90s, and that was a really exciting time to be on the internet, guys. Like, everything was broken. <laughs> the tech sucked. It was too expensive. Uh, but it was so fun to be there and just, like, be there on the ground floor. You're helping. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here. Right now, Devendra, yeah. you're helping Christians. <laughs> but, but it's the truth. It's it. It's the dash. There's no killer. Truth. There's no killer app yet. That's what I'm waiting for. Still. And tech itself is the killer. Okay, yeah, yeah. fair enough. You know, but you know, people say oh, it's just mini games. It's just mini games. It's like, yeah, well, what's what's Call of Duty multiplayer? <laughs> it's a mini game. Yeah, what's over what's and over again. Dota? What's League of Legends? They're mini games. That's not you know. It's not. The, the, the mini game is shouldn't be this uh, pejorative. No, they're, they're not. They're not. They're not. I'm sorry. They're not. What do you mean they're, they're not? not. <laughs> That's not what mini game. Mini game does not mean. <laughs> mini game does not mean Heroes of the Storm. Stop it. The, That's not pro- the process of playing the same thing over and over. That's a short, small experience. That's redundant. Is what people talk about with me when I'm talking about playing. I'm going to call Cam Newton challenge. up, and you can call his job at the NFL just playing a mini game every week. <laughs> What I'm I'm saying that mini game is the as a pejorative is is a misnomer. They're not mini games. I understand the long narrative experience, and I want that too. I want that too. But uh, I've had some great VR storytelling experiences like that, but not like a game that kind of integrated that really well too. So I don't know. And uh, have you guys played the Unspoken? That was a lot of fun. It's so cool, Christian. Have you tried that one yet? I have not. Uh, We got to play that strange ripoff. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. But it's so yeah, but fun. you get to be Doctor Strange. You get to be Doctor Strange, but I love how there's a 30 minute tutorial just to show you like how to play the stupid game because oh. it's so complicated. Because it's new, it's completely yeah. new. So uh, that's the sort that's exciting for yeah. sure. 
I told you this offline, Jeff, and I, I, again, I like VR. I'm happy I'm here, but I feel like to me, and I said the same thing, like, you know, what is any game? But they're all the same. They're all redundant of one thing mm-hmm. or another. But VR, it, they all feel it's in its infancy. So it's all the same thing. You're standing, you're looking, you're doing, and it just feels kind of like they're all experiences. And I haven't had the time. Like I played uncharted four, I think straight through in a sitting or two sittings. And, you know, I haven't seen a VR game. That's like, okay, this is the 50 hour Witcher game. And whether or not it's because the fatigue, like you just can't or because they haven't found a way to balance it yet. Where, you know, because they're trying to do all this cool stuff, like maybe unspoken, you do all this cool spell casting stuff, but then you end up, you get captured and you end up, I think you're, I expect you to die. And then mm-hmm. you end up being forced to throw an NFL quarterback pass. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, dude. You know, um, Edge of Nowhere is not, you know, it's not 50 hours, but it was like a good six and I loved mm-hmm. it start to finish. Feral Rights is a beefy, interesting, you know, game that I really enjoyed in, in VR. Um Chronos, but those aren't VR. Those I think are maybe heightened by VR. But I, I would say Edge of Nowhere would be a fantastic game on a on a TV. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's not uh, me blocking a bullet with a with a knife. Right. I, I think uh, as we look towards where VR is getting more affordable and more accessible, that's where I'm really interested. So PlayStation VR, I didn't have a lot of hopes going into that, you know, before the release, but they did a good job of making you know that lower quality hardware do some decently smooth vr the motion tracking isn't the greatest but it's it's affordable um you know more affordable it's still another 400 500 freaking bucks um the google daydream vr is really interesting too because that's just a 79 dollar headset and it has a motion tracking controller yeah so things are getting really interesting on the mobile side for sure have you tried daydream Defender? oh yeah yeah uh, I did a there's a review of that up on Engadget. Uh, the games are all right. They look about as good as the Galaxy, uh, the Gear VR. Yeah. Uh, but the the ability to have motion controls is it's very rudimentary, but it's useful and it enables some really interesting games. All right. Well, the debate continues and I know <laughs> that uh, our audience will weigh in. You guys can always send us uh, emails to uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. I wanted to Read this email. We're, we're kind of running long here, and I still want to get to tabletop time. But actually, Devinder's here. This is this is an email that I think mm-hmm. you should weigh in on. So I'm going to read it. We'll take the time. Uh, this is Dan from uh, Hattiesburg. He says, uh, "Hi, Jeff and Christian and guest. I've been thinking a lot about VR gaming scene recently, and the consensus, as proselytized frequently by Christian, is that it's not ready for mainstream cons- consumers. While I mostly agree, this is part of what makes VR so exciting for me." It reminds me of the import game scene of the late 90s, early 2000s. I think a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses apply. Expensive, cutting edge, obscure, enthusiast driven. In short, VR is where the crazy stuff is happening. There are bizarre and interesting new releases on Steam VR literally on a weekly basis. Some of the early access stuff is starting to shape up in cool ways, and PC VR users have established a really friendly and knowledgeable community. This brings me to my main question. Does VR really need to become mainstream at all? It seems to me that the indie community has embraced the technology and small and mid-sized companies are already developing great software. High-end video cards are not certainly not mainstream, but they have a healthy market. 
for decades, and uh, PC games typically support them. Sure, it would be kind of a disaster for Sony if PSVR remained a niche, and Oculus might be in trouble as a multi-billion dollar startup, but Steam VR seems to be well on its way to establishing a healthy, if niche, ecosystem. Obviously, if VR never became mainstream, we wouldn't get dedicated AAA games built from the ground up for it, but personally, I think I'm okay with that. I'd be perfectly fine with AAA games just eventually supporting optional VR modes in the settings like they do super sampling or other high-end features, while the smaller devs are left to do all the really cool stuff. I feel like it could be really exciting and a real boon to the smaller devs if VR remained primarily their turf. What are your thoughts? Oof. So, this is, uh, this is dangerous thinking, guys. This is because um, I know I, I used to be this guy, too. I remember uh, when I first got onto the Internet and was really into anime and stuff early on. Uh, it's exciting to be there on the ground floor, like I was talking about before. Right. I think that's something geeks just love. It's in our DNA. You know, doing yeah. something new feels exciting. Um, I know about but the then that- before you do. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's that initial impulse is like, oh, I want this to last forever like this. I if if more people do it, then it's spoiled. It's it's unclean in some way. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think we kind of have to look at these situations and be like, yeah, I can enjoy this situation as it is now and being on the ground floor. But realistically, it has to evolve. It has to reach a point where normal people can get it in their homes. Um, otherwise, those small developers will never have a reason to build those small games. Indie developers are already hurting a lot. And if you reduce that market to, you know, a niche bunch of, uh, you know, VR geeks, uh, that's that's not going to be helpful to anybody. So I understand the impulse, uh, but it's it's one of those things where I think you can enjoy the situation as it is now. And that's going to last for a while, but there's going to be more stuff to enjoy as it gets mainstream, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I It is cool that they're, the vibrancy of the community is already there that there is mm-hmm. a lot of energy around it it's good and stuff. yeah yeah and it's it, some issues too like uh the uh, i think social vr apps for women mm. are a problem right now as we've seen there's already because you put technology in the hands of like you know uh geeks and uh you put different sexes in there and bad things will happen unfortunately so yeah, yeah we gotta are... we gotta work through all this stuff <laughs> yeah uh you have any response to this christian I agree with you guys. I think the difference for the example, I think it's a interesting one, but the difference for the import gaming scene is that it's only um, expensive, cutting edge, obscure and enthusiast driven right. in the West, whereas in Japan it was mainstream like that. So that'd be like if, if VR was huge somewhere and then like we're like, oh, have you seen right. VR? Um, so, so that there already was a healthy ecosystem supporting these things so those devs and publishers were making their money and then the other hard part about it about being the cool guy on the scene which is awesome and i'm you know put money into it is what you don't remember is all of the cool bands that you love that never quote unquote sold out that never put out a third album but you didn't care per se because you you were constantly always on that new churn and that's distincts for or bands that did keep putting out tons of albums but like the guys from homegrown or face to face that in my opinion should be living off of money forever aren't (laughs) because they never got blink 182 status you know and so like if if vr stays in that world that thing you love won't (laughs) won't keep existing you have to go to the next new uh tech new up and coming thing and if you're okay with that that's fine for you personally but that individual thing you love will not remain 
um, will, will not flourish, unfortunately. Also, listen to Face to Face and Homegrown. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, we'll move on from that. But uh, thank you for emailing. You can always email us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We'd love to get your comments in the show. Uh, but right now, we're going to carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Tabletop time. Tabletop time. Right now. Right now. All right, guys, if you know, if you want to continue to hear tabletop time on the show, I've heard a lot of people uh, express support for it. Send us emails about the things you'd like to hear about. I'm going to keep talking about the games that I'm playing and, um, you know, always ask our guests about that stuff, too. But um, I'd love to hear what you what you'd like to know more about on tabletop time. So you can always email us dlcfeedback at gmail.com for that as well. Uh, I want to talk about a game I got to play recently. Uh, this new Richard Garfield game. Richard Garfield, a storied designer uh, behind Magic the Gathering and Android Netrunner and countless other games. Uh, this is one of the uh, the big, you know, the Mount Rushmore of, of board game designers. Uh, he has a game called Treasure Hunter and uh, relatively new. I think it came out last year. Um, I hadn't played it before. It, it's an interesting idea. It, it's a straight, almost a, a straight up, a drafting game. So everybody has cards in their hand and you start out with nine and then you, you take one and you pass the deck to the person on your left. Then you're, you know, you have eight cards to choose from. You take one, you pass the cards to the person on your, it goes back and forth and you keep whittling down until everybody, until all those decks have been depleted. And now you have uh, a deck of cards that are yours, but were chosen from the, the decks that were moving around. So everybody kind of got a sense of what everybody else picked because at a certain point you got to see those decks rotate through and you see what was taken by other people. So, you know, you only get to pick one of the deck you're looking at at any given time. And so you're kind of trying to make these strategic decisions. There are some cards that are great. There are some cards that are bad. And you're trying to constitute an entire uh, deck for yourself, knowing that you're going to have to play every single card that you take, regardless of whether you want to or not. And the way this game works is that there are different stages, and each of those stages uh, has um, a, a reward that the high hand will get and the low hand will get. So many of the cards that you have will have point values and you have to play all of the cards that are color coded to the different stages and you have to play all of the cards of that color during that stage. So you can try to decide whether you're going for the high hand or the low hand based on what the rewards are for high or low. Sometimes the rewards will be good for both. Sometimes there'll be a bad reward for high, a bad reward for low, whatever. Sometimes there'll be two bad rewards. So you're trying to, you know, screw over everybody else by leaving cards in that'll try to make them, uh, uh, you know, get a reward you don't want while retaining the cards that'll get you the, the reward you do want. And uh, you can kind of surprise people by, you know, showing low and then going high, all that fun stuff of drafting. And it's a pretty much straight up drafting game. There's also this other side mechanic where, there are, you know, it's got a fantasy element where these these dogs are going to come and steal stuff from you. So you have to protect against the dogs. So there's other cards that you have to get that protect against the dogs. So it's a, an alternate way to get or lose points and screw other, other people over by, you know, sicking the dogs on them or preventing them from being protected against the dogs. But 
pretty much the whole game is this draft. And drafting is fun. Like, it's a fun mechanic. It's a really interesting uh, strategical decision to say, what am I going to take from the deck? What am I going to leave into the deck? And how am I going to position myself over the course of multiple stages? Because I'm looking at a hand that has red cards and green cards and blue cards for the, like, forest stage and lava stage and ice stage. And the rewards in each are already displayed. So I know what I'm shooting for, but I also know that I can only pick one card at a time to try to, you know, play into those high and low for each of those stages. So there's a lot of decisions to be made. It's a pretty interesting game. It's really easy to learn. Um, I don't, for me, it doesn't have enough going on to be like a, a real home run, but it's a pretty interesting game. And again, it's called Treasure Hunter and it's by uh, Richard Garfield. I've played this game and I was awful at it. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, I uh, when you start talking, about it, I was like, I think I played this at Game House, Game House, house. and Gows, and I'm I'm still fairly certain I did. And I think the reason I didn't talk about it on the show is because I probably couldn't have explained it. I remember just getting really frustrated in the group I was playing with. They thought it was so funny. Like, you, you see the cards, you're planning ahead, and I was like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> is that I was very bad? Have you ever played a drafting game before? Because it's a mechanic that is is fairly common. A lot of games, um, Seven Wonders has it. And it's a lot of games that it kind of came into vogue a few years ago. And a lot of games you utilize is that is the mechanic itself something you don't like? I mean, I've certainly played games that I think have it, but I, you know, I'm not as versed in tabletop gaming to know that it is called a drafting mechanic. But if you name other games, I'm like, I've done that, <laughs> but I'm not like aware of what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I dabbled in magic the teeniest bit as a, a, a youngster, which I guess is, is deck building, but I don't know if that's the same thing or not. Well, no, they, I mean, people will, will put together drafts of magic cards, right? They'll go to a store and they'll have a bunch of unopened decks and then everybody will sit at a table that are going to play with each other and everybody opens their deck oh and sure sure you yeah to pick one card out of that deck and then hand it to the person on your left so i mean that's a that kind of grew out of out of magic the gathering in a sense that that entire idea of drafting yeah 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 so yeah i mean it's a concept i'm familiar with this game uh in particular i also think i was maybe the only one to have played it for be playing it for the first time which i don't think would necessarily be a disadvantage but also when you're um eating and drinking i don't drink so that's not an excuse either i have no excuse jeff i was just bad i don't know it's okay. i got it's okay i got wiped i i think i did not do well in this game either when, when i played it uh but um it's interesting it's an interesting interesting game it's called treasure hunter all right like i said i uh, love to get your comments and questions about tabletop time um and I, I'd love for you to keep it, Jeff. It is a great segment. Oh, thank you. We don't hear enough about this stuff. So I appreciate that. Down for that. Um, all right. Well, that uh, brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, we do have our parting gift coming up. So stay tuned for that. But Devendra Hardwar, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, I know you had a, a busy day and you're kind of under the weather today. So it means a lot. Yeah. yeah. Here. It's, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I always love chatting about video games. So yeah. I'll love to be on anytime. Absolutely. So where can people keep up with you on the internet? Oh, I'm on Twitter at, at Devendra. I'm also, uh, I write about Tech and Gadget, and I do the podcast there most weeks, too. And the Slash Filmcast. You guys should really be listening to that. And the Slash Filmcast. Be, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, which we're, we're doing uh, a big episode this week. We've got La La Land and Rogue One to talk about. Oh, Boy. my gosh. It's that time of year. Good stuff is all, is all over the place. Um, Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? 
If you're in LA on the 16th, which is a lot of people will probably be watching Rogue One, um, but I'm doing a show at 10.30 p.m. at UCB Sunset. Um, tell all your friends, which is kind of like a tribute uh, to emo, pop punk music, sketches, stand-up, stuff kind of all inspired by the scene. I'm doing a character piece that I'm very excited about. It's a very silly um if you're into the scene at all or have fond memories of it, uh, I've done the show. I think every time they've done it, and it's always been a blast, and I'm very excited for this one. It's holiday-themed. That is the 16th at UCB Sunset. And uh, I have a Patreon where I do another podcast. It's called um, 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 At Least 20 More Minutes. And I do bonus episodes because I can post whenever I want. It doesn't matter. There's no schedule. And I'm getting into the... Uh, the Christians uh, going through his top 25 games of the year and trying to whittle it down to five. I think that process starts here pretty soon of just me basically looking at this list on my phone. I've been keeping going, God, ah, it is, it is uh, bad that we started the tradition of only having five because it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's particularly <laughs> rough this year, but well, it's going to be a fun episode when we kind of try to whittle those down. Yeah. So I'm not going to reveal that, you know, that's obviously for this episode, but you can hear me, kind of going through parts of it uh, but you can find it at patreon.com slash christian spicer i think this week's is actually going to be an art of the trailer though where i'm going to be looking at the uh spider-man homecoming trailer and then also the um uh da, 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 last of us part two trailer and kind of talk about you know what you can glean from that and stuff like that i like i enjoy trailers and i'm a i'm a weak weak boy i'm like i'm not going to watch the spider-man trailer then my hand's like yes you are and i'm like i'm watching it <laughs> it was really good and a parenting podcast called department of parenting you can find it and then a twitter at spicer mr canada uh, other than me hating you and avenger for going to star wars what else yeah. is going on this week <laughs> uh, i'm at jeff canada with, with two n's and one t and um I, the aforementioned slash filmcast is at slash filmcast.com and i have a science comedy show called we have concerns which you can find at we have concerns.com you guys sent something special recently right oh yeah it should be i think people <laughs> should be getting them uh i'm super proud of it I, I actually anthony did most of the work it's it's pretty cool it's really cool it's i've, I've heard haven't seen but uh, it is sounds amazing i am so d- cannot wait for people to see it because it, for our 25 dollars patrons we're sending out secret mail and this one is like it's not just a piece of mail it's like a book it's amazing if you've ever wondered like about jeff canada's nether regions i've heard it's life-size and uh... <laughs> no we don't have we can't pay for shipping of that christian it seems enormous <laughs> um all right moving on uh let's get to our uh, parting gift hey give us a suggestion Devinder, do you have a suggestion to help people get through through their week that might not be a video game Sure. Um, oh, I just discovered the You Suck at Cooking YouTube channel. <laughs> Have you guys heard of this thing? No. It's really good. It's really good, guys. Um, first of all, I like uh, easy recipes just because I like to, to cook things once in a while. So it's a recipe series, but the guy is really funny. And also he does like these weird dramatizations. So like all of his series involving egg recipes, there's like a long running egg cop drama. <laughs> done with like miniature like sets and everything it's really it's adorable it's really fun so check it out you suck at cooking that's awesome christian how about you you got a parting gift yeah it's not that exciting i i think i've mentioned it before and i try to mention things like this from time to time um create an emergency contact card that you keep on you not 
on your phone. Um, it happened personal experience for me and then a friend as well. Uh, my friend was in a very scary situation and we had his cell phone and could not open it. Uh, <laughs> it was before touch ID and stuff like that. So maybe now you can just put your friend's uh, hurt thumb on the phone. But uh, I carry a laminated card, card size card in my wallet, have it readily accessible, obviously for allergies or something like that. I think this time of year, it's important to kind of sit back and look at things that, uh, you know, easy tweaks, life hacks for going forward in emergency contact numbers in our cell phone stored address book world. If you get in trouble and someone needs to call your mom or your doctor or your best friend or your wife, have that stuff readily available so someone can help you because uh, we need to do more helping. Jeff, what about you? Well, I have to thank Christian Spicer for this one. Uh, Christian gifted me a comedy album this week. I think you brought it up on a previous parting gift. Uh, it's called What's Up, Nerds? And it's by uh, Steve Simeon? Is that how you pronounce Steve it? Steve Simone. Simone. Pardon me. Um, comedy album. It's delightful. It's really funny and fun. Uh, I am I'm definitely a big fan of this guy. I hadn't really ever heard of his stuff before, but it is uh, right up my alley. It, you know, a lot of comedy comes from darkness or even meanness. Or it, This guy proves that you can have a hilarious hour of comedy based on joy and positivity. And it's really amazing to hear. Like, he, he mines comedy from goodness from being a good person and celebrating good people it's great um so check it out it's called what's up nerds steve simeon steve simone exactly it's okay it's good if you want a taste of him uh he was also on this most most recent season of this is not happening on comedy central and if you need another reason to plunk down uh 10 bucks on an amazing comedy album a great storyteller uh he also is one of the nicest most giving people i know in terms of how much he gives back to charity and community and helping people in need. He's just an incredible human being and easy to support. All right. That does it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Devendra Hardawar and Christian Spice for hanging out with me. Thanks to all of the folks in the chat room for also hanging out. You guys make the show better by being with us uh, in live. It is a, such a fun to, thing to read your comments as we go. Uh, thanks to all of you who have downloaded the show and uh, maybe uh, give us a a kind rating on your platform of choice or tell a friend that is, that is how we get the word out. So we appreciate you doing that. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L, Sean Madigan and zero star. We will be back uh, next week might be actually a, um, a different kind of episode. Uh, I'm going to be going up for the holidays to my family. So I think we might be doing an all bonus content episode, um, which, which should be pretty cool. But uh, it'll still be here. And until, we have good stuff. We yeah, have good stuff. Really cool stuff. And until then, Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.